What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode one of College Football Talk. I am your co-host, Easton, and we're here to bring you highlights and predictions of your favorite college football teams and top 25. To introduce myself, my name is Easton, and I did play defensive back at Washington State from 2007 to 2010, and I bleed crimson. My name is Josh. I went to Ole Miss from 03 to 07. Huge college football fan. Week one recap, we're going to talk about Ole Miss versus Texas Tech. My boy Jordan came through with 336 yards in the air. And Phillips, my new running back, came through with 204 on the ground. We look good. We definitely got some things we need to work on, like putting the ball in the end zone. I don't like field goals. I want to score touchdowns. I also need my defense to step up a little bit more. But, Easton, what do you think about, about my guys? I was actually surprised. I'm not going to lie. I think you guys have a solid wide receiver core. You know, I was familiar with A.J. Brown, but I wasn't too familiar with your other receivers. They're, they got size. They're big dudes. So I think you guys uh, can surprise some teams in the SEC. Best wide receiver core in college football by far. Uh, well, it's er, it's very early in the season to talk about that. But uh, I think they're, they're pretty decent to start. I'll give them that. They'll be playing on Sunday. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. How'd your boys do this weekend? Well, my Cougs played Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming was already one game deep, so I was a little bit nervous about our first game jitters. But we actually did really well. Uh, Gardner Minshew, 38 from 57, 319 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. The guy I was most surprised about, actually, was Max Borgie, the true freshman, who originally committed to Stanford but ended up going to Washington State. He finished the game with one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown. Our, our defense actually looked pretty solid, only gave up 200, 206 total yards, uh, which was really nice. Our defensive backs look solid. You know, they got some good size, and I think it, our defense, you know, they team tackled as a whole, so I'm pretty proud of them. You know, I, I think we have a history of, you know, the term we coined, cooging it, so, you know, it was a close game to start, but I think we uh, finished out pretty strong. Yeah, it was halftime. At halftime, I, I was afraid that y'all were going to not be able to pull it through. They were keeping it tight. I don't like tight games at halftime. I want to I wanna crush them, being a fan. Yeah, yeah, I, to I totally agree. And one thing that actually surprised me was we started the game with three running plays, which is not so very normal for a leech offense. So, you know, we got a pretty solid run game, which I also think surprised Wyoming. Ole Miss definitely knows the passing game. We don't, we don't typically run, but we started to run a little bit more. I mean, if we get 204 on the on the ground, I'll take it any day. Yeah, not bad. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see these two teams in the future. But uh, enough about our teams. Let's talk about the number one team in the nation, Alabama. They uh, ended up playing Louisville for their first game, starting off with uh, two at quarterback. Were you surprised about that, Josh? Man, Tua looked real good. I, I'm not going to complain. If you look that good, you should play. I feel bad for Hurts. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Hurts uh, in the future, see if he moves away or stays with it. But Bama clicking on all cylinders once again, always clicking on all cylinders. Looks like a Final Four team from the get-go. Uh, we'll see if they have any hiccups along the year. I'm excited to watch Bama play. Um, sometimes be rooting against them, but it's hard to root against these kids that, that put their life and soul into the game. I think Bama looked really good for their first game. You know, I didn't see too many hiccups. Uh, I think they, you know, they did, were 10 for 15 on third down. Two of you went 12 for 16 for 227 yards, no interceptions. 
uh, and rush for a touchdown. But like you said, you know, I'm, I, I do feel bad for Jalen. He was, he's a hell of a player. You know, he got him to the championship last year, had a bad half. And, you know, that bad half obviously cost him his job. And so you're kind of in a lull where you're trying to figure out is – he gonna stay because he's he doesn't he hasn't used his red shirt correct nope he's got his red shirt left we'll see if he if that that card gets pulled yeah it'll be interesting because you know Nick Saban he doesn't have a history of running with two quarterbacks but uh you know he definitely what he said he started two off with about twenty snaps and then let Jalen Hurts get in there but I don't see this being a dual threat off or dual threat quarterback uh, situation where they're going to be splitting time because. You know, I feel like quarterbacks, especially in the Bama offense, you need to get a rhythm going to, you know, maintain that type of offense. Especially they seem to have a quarterback that's going to be throwing and, the ball. So And Tua looked good. Tua looked yeah. real good. You can't you can't argue it. Like I said, you know, you feel bad for Jalen Hurts, but, you know, it's, it's all about winning at this time. And Bama doesn't want to risk that factor. So let's talk a little bit about Bama's rival in Auburn and your rival, Washington. That was a great game. Both defense showed up. Yeah, I totally agree. Man. Um, I think I think it was an awesome game, uh, and most people won't believe this, but I actually was rooting for UW. Uh, reason for it is because I'm I'm rooting for Pac-12 over anybody. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Let, let me say, uh, you know, I think I think Browning he he's he did uh, he did well. Um, there were some things around there. I think the red zone offense wasn't great, and I think that's what held them back. Is that you know they've had turnovers in the red zone, and I think that kind of you know slowed down the momentum they had versus that SEC SEC powerhouse. Yep, and like always, I I root for Gus. Gus is a great coach. I think he's got a lot of talent. He he takes teams in different directions. Uh, Auburn is a scary team, no matter who they play. I think they can beat anybody any any week. It's exciting to watch Auburn play just as well as Washington. I'm looking forward to watching both those teams. I think they both have work to do, though. I don't think it's it's said and done quite yet. Most definitely. And, you know, you think about that Auburn defensive line, and, you know, that was the biggest question mark towards uh, Washington was how can they handle that defensive line because they're powerful. And, you know, Trey Adams didn't travel with UW. So overall, I think uh, UW played well, but it's just a matter of finishing. And we want to be better than the SEC. So we need to beat those SEC teams in those big games. And, you know, I just think uh, the dogs weren't able to pull through in the long run. Yep, that that loss might hurt hurt the Pac-12. Uh, needed a victory there to uh, propel yourself into the Final Four, potentially at the end of the season. Washington has has some games ahead of them that they could win and get back in there, but we'll see what happens. And I, to- I totally agree. You know, the one thing that does bother me is, you know, that, that committee, you know, they're not too fond of the Pac-12 in itself. So those games, you know, I, I do agree that, you know, Clemson, or excuse me, Auburn was a uh, challenging game for UW, and hopefully they'll take that into account if UW finishes the season strong and goes undefeated. But I also think that the committee, committee is very tough when it comes to the Pac-12 and, you know, letting us in those top four teams. Well, you just got to play in the SEC. We play, we play tough football, tough, gritty football. We know how to play. Um, so moving on, I want to talk a little bit about a quarterback I know a little bit, and Shea Patterson. This was his debut at Michigan versus Notre Dame. This is a tough game for Shea. Uh, you know, starting off the season with a tough, tough matchup against Notre Dame. What are your thoughts on that game? Well, Notre Dame's defense showed up. They surprised Michigan. I, I don't think Shea Patterson was ready for this uh, defense. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he is from the SEC, Ole Miss, but uh, 
you know, I think it's a it's a different ball game, especially when you're playing Notre Dame and that D line. You know, they're 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 bringing that attack, and you know, he's rushing those passes, and he didn't have much time to uh, look for his receivers. I agree with you. Michigan had some suspect play calls, in my opinion, uh, but I, I really like what Michigan was doing. Notre Dame just looked like they were tearing it up. Notre Dame looked next level compared to Michigan in my eyes. I know it ended up a close game, but I think Notre Dame had it from the get-go. Brian Brian Kelly, yeah. I, I've always thought that guy was a top-tier college coach. It's time for him to prove it. I know he played Bama a couple years ago in the championship, but that might have been too early for Notre Dame to get there. Maybe this year, maybe they can get there. We'll find out. Notre Dame's got a tough schedule. Very true, very true. Next up, we'll talk about uh, Miami and LSU. So, uh, how do you feel about that game? Just... <laughs> SEC, SEC, man, LSU crushed it. I did not, I did not see that. I thought they'd win, but they came out and just killed it. Their QB transfer looks like he's the real deal. Man, they look good. I was really surprised by Miami and how they uh, came out very, very slow. Rozier, or Rozier, excuse me, new change in the name. Um, I think he came out really slow. I don't think he played very well. The last three games, well, his last three games, he was 0-3 to finish the season. And then coming out this year, uh, you expected a lot more from him. You yep. know, he has the experience under his belt. You know, I think he could take the leadership role on the offense, but it just didn't seem to pan out for him. It was bad, and SEC dominated this. I got to ask the Miami fans, I'm not trying to get you on my bad side, but where's the turnover chain at? <laughs> I hear a lot of talk about this turnover chain. I didn't see one turnover. Yeah, most definitely. I think if anybody's wearing a turnover chain, it's those LSU Tigers. LSU's but... always stingy on defense. I, yeah. That defense is not fun to play against by any means yeah i think i think coach o really put a stable on his name uh and, and uh holding down that uh coaching position because you know i think he was one of those coaches that were on those early hot seats uh to begin the season so i think this was a staple and an awesome win for him and uh moving forward for lsu i agree that was a big win for lsu they needed to get one early and they got it yeah you can't ask for more especially against a ranked team like that exactly yeah definitely i think it was an awesome game i think it was one of the better well supposed to be excuse me it was supposed to be one of the better games of the weekend and uh yes lsu balled out yes, yes they, they did. did virginia tech florida state game as we know that did not turn out to be the ball game we wanted to see. Yeah, so besides my Cougs game, you know, being the top game I wanted to watch, uh, it was Miami versus LSU and uh, VTech versus Florida State. In both of those games, uh, it was a huge surprise to me. I think, you know, Francois, well, granted, you know, they do have a new coach in Willie Taggart, but also, you know, they got a lot of returning starters. So, you know, starting with their quarterback, uh, Francois, which, you know, he had no time to throw. I think I think Virginia Tech came ready to play. How do you think about Fuente? I, I thought Fuente was on the hot seat. I said before the season started, Fuente needs to put some wins together. He needs to get them there. Virginia Tech, that's a high program in my mind. I thought Fuente needed to put it together, get a lot of victories, and he showed up. Yeah. He showed up this season. Could, could VTech challenge Clemson this year? For that championship with that defense, if they play that way, they can. Yeah, I, I, I ain't going to argue that because I, I think Florida State's a hell of a team. They're fast. They got a lot of speed, and I think that's one 
the one thing they have on a lot of teams is that speed on Florida State and Virginia Tech. They showed up, and uh, Francois, he looked extremely frustrated that whole game. And I, I was very impressed for, with Virginia Tech. I'm, I'm taking Virginia Tech in my next game. I don't know who they're playing, but I'm taking them. Yeah, they look strong. They look strong. Moving forward to week two previews, Arizona, and we got UCLA. Two coaches could go 0-2 to start their career at their new schools. First, let's talk about Arizona and Houston. I thought Tate was supposed to be the man this year. Heisman hopeful. Where's he running? He didn't run in the first game at all. 14 yards rushing? Come on, give me 100 yards rushing, Tate. Where you at? What do you think? I think um, BYU actually had the uh, mindset that Tate was actually going to run the ball. Uh, and I think they surprised them with Tate actually staying in the pocket. I do think someone's trying to change him a little bit too much, try to make him into a pocket passer. But, you know, they're not the same team as they were last year, as they did lose three offensive line starters. And this, is, this isn't going to be the same type of offense they had last year where they had the best run yard uh, they had all in the history of the school. Guess who kills passing quarterbacks? Ed Oliver at Houston. Kid is a beast. Kills it. And day in, day out, this kid, 100% motor. Top two draft pick in the NFL next year. Oh, totally, don't doubt it. Uh, Ed Oliver is a beast. Uh, uh, it's just a matter of uh, how can this fresh offensive line for Arizona hold this powerful D-line with Ed Oliver and company. It's It, it should be an interesting game, but I... Uh, I, I just hope that they switch it up a little bit and get Khalil out there running because he was a Heisman hopeful, and uh, I think he might get about, forgotten about after this first week. I know. He's a Heisman hopeful on his legs. He needs to run and throw the ball, not just throw the ball. 14 Definitely. yards is not cutting it and on it, the ground. And, and it's odd to me to, to think about it because Sumlin had Johnny Manziel, so, and he was successful with him. So I'm very surprised why Sumlin is trying to change this offense so much to where he does utilize his quarterback's best skill set, which is running the ball. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so moving on to Oklahoma, we're, let's talk about baseball for a little bit. I mean, baseball, football, one and the same, right? Murray tears it up in both sports. He's, he's in my mind, going to for sure take UCLA to 0-2. 0-2 start season for UCLA and Chip Kelly. It's not looking good for Chip to start it out. You, you want one of those two matchups yeah definitely uh I'm, I'm surprised uh kyler murray's even playing college football he you know he's drafted so i definitely thought he'd take the baseball route but he had an excellent opening for his uh first game with uh, coach riley with him so uh, yep. i think he, he'll do really well with that offense murray went nine of 11 for 209 yards and two tds that's that's an opening if you ask me uh you know he's a transfer out of uh someone's system oh, over at Texas A&M. That's correct. He's been around the block. He knows he knows how to play some football. Do you think do you think Oklahoma is going to be a, a, a presence like they were last year? Because I definitely they have a different quarterback, you know, they don't have Mayfield who's in the NFL now, but do you think Oklahoma is going to make a presence this year? Or? The Big 12 comes down to Two teams, three teams possibly. If you throw a TCU in there, you got West Virginia, Oklahoma, maybe a surprise TCU. Uh, maybe like Oklahoma State typically plays tough. Um, 
we'll find out. I I mean, there's a lot of football to play. I don't want to make picks yet. Yeah, it's definitely. I agree. You know, I, I love my Pac-12, but this is definitely going to be a tough game for UCLA and Kelly installing this new offense. But it should be interesting. It uh, Hopefully UCLA will try to, you know, at least compete with Oklahoma. That's yes. all I ask. Chip definitely has his work cut out for him. Most definitely. Frost at Nebraska in the self self-proclaimed UCF national champs. Well, the national champs, they went undefeated, you know. I, I don't argue that. They, You know, I, I feel if you, you go undefeated, you should play the best teams. And who knows what have happened last year, but it's one of those one-if situations. But, you know, they are going into, you know, the Frost era at Nebraska, and I'm curious to see how they're going to do versus a Colorado team. They got a new quarterback at uh, Nebraska, right? Yeah, I think they're going to move forward. True freshman. Um, I'm excited to see Nebraska play their first game of the year this coming weekend. It's it's going to be exciting to see Frost back on the football field, coaching again, doing his thing. Um, it's going to be exciting. I, I predict Nebraska would get this victory uh, in my eyes, um, but, but you know, you never know what happens on the game field. You don't know too much about this true freshman quarterback that uh, Frost is bringing in, but he is a dual-threat quarterback, and I think Colorado may do have decent with that defense, you know, because, you know, Montez, who is the quarterback for Colorado, he is a dual-threat quarterback himself, so they are experienced with, you know, at least practicing against a dual-threat quarterback, so I'm curious to see what Colorado does versus Nebraska. Um, next game up, uh, we got Penn State versus Pitt. Uh, man, let's uh, start off with uh, Penn State's game last week versus Appalachian State. Go back into the recaps, huh? Uh, <laughs> App State. I learned that you don't play App State week one. No. I think every no everybody Michigan. should know this. I yeah. hate to bring it up, Michigan, but I, I mean that's a game of a lifetime. App State, don't play them. Uh, you know, put this game on the list because of that game. I don't even know if we'd mention that game if App State didn't play it close that close. Most definitely, yeah. I I, I think a lot of people didn't didn't think Appalachian State would still have that force that they had a few years ago when they upset Michigan at Michigan. Um, but I definitely think it should be an interesting game. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Trace McSorley. He's, a, once again, another dual-threat quarterback. Um, undersized, but I think he definitely makes up for it with his, his heart. That man has more heart than most players I've ever seen. That fourth quarter of that game, I remember we talked about it before, uh, or while the game was going on, and you thought that Appalachian State had it in the back. I thought the game was over yeah yeah definitely he's definitely one of those players with that 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 go-to mentality where it's like if you got the game on the line you want him on your team because he's one of those players he'll take over in that fourth quarter when i think i think james franklin has done himself a, a hell of a job at penn state not only there he did a great job at vanderbilt He's coached at some tough schools and made those programs into winner he's doing the same thing at penn state i I just that game one makes me wonder what Penn State's going to be this year. No, he's always been a players coach to me. You know, I think he really cares about the players he coaches, and you know, I think that shows with the the way the Penn State has been playing these past few years. You know, they've definitely had a little lull, but you know, with the heart and determination and these kids he's recruiting, I, I see them doing really well this year. I think they're going to surprise some teams. They did kind of, you know. Challenge, have a challenge with Appalachian State, but I think they'll bounce back well with Pittsburgh and uh, will come out with a pretty strong win. Yeah, 45-38 to 38 and an overtime victory is not cutting it for Penn State. They need to come out and win big this weekend if they, if they want to project themselves great uh, to move forward this year. Next game up, Kentucky and Florida. 
Um, give me your insight on those games, that game. Kentucky's got a running back that you don't want to mess with. Snell, he'll, he'll, he'll tear it up on you. He had 125 yards, two TDs in his first game. Uh, they need a little bit more of a passing passing game if they're going to beat Florida. Florida's got the new coach in Dan Mullins, and Fleet Frank is back, throwing for 219 in his first game with five TDs. You don't you don't pass up on five TDs. That's a hell of a game. That that's an excellent start for him. You know, it's definitely you know a, a start that Florida needs. I think Florida has a lot of questions this year, and starting with their coach. You know, how is he going to transition? I think he's definitely in a position where he's going to be in the spotlight a lot more than he was in his previous job. So I think he has to show up immediately and has to progress and give results that Florida fans and alumni are used to seeing. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a challenge ahead, but I think he's a hell of a coach to take on that task. Yeah, I agree. I hate I hate to admit it because I'm I know where Dan Mullen comes from. I call it moo moo you from time to time. <laughs> but that's Mississippi State. That's my rival. I apologize to state fans. Uh, Dan Mullen is a hell of a coach. I will admit that. Yeah, so uh, I think it should be interesting, but I, I definitely think Florida, you know, getting in the top 25, I think that should motivate them a little bit more. Yeah, they're going to be a dangerous threat, and, you know, with ha- having the experience of uh, Felipe Franks, you know, having the second year under his belt is going to help him transition, and I'm, I'm glad that Mullen's actually given him a chance. You know, usually when you get a new coach in, you know, you don't, you, they're coming in with the quarterback that they're confident with that they are bringing in, but it's nice to see that they're keeping most of the core players around and uh, keeping them playing. I totally agree with you. I want to say one thing about experience. My new coach, Herm Edwards. That guy knows football. I'm talking Michigan State versus Arizona State. I personally was kind of rooting against Herm at the beginning. I didn't think he was going to be able to keep up with the Young Bucks, but he, he looked good in game one. I know they didn't play tough competition, but... Herm made it happen in game one. Herm Edwards, you know, he's he's a very boisterous man on ESPN before he got the job at Arizona State. So it was interesting to see his uh, his coaching philosophies and how that would trans- transition his philosophies to this new era of playing. I agree. He's got a tough one against uh, against Michigan State this year. Lewicki threw for, for 287 and two TDs. Michigan State and Arizona State, you know, two very different teams, two very different conferences, you know, so oh. I think it's a, it'll be a clashing of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you We're know. We're not even talking conference. I forgot about the top, the conference topic. That's, yeah. that's a good one to get into. Pac-12 needs needs to show up. I And I, I can't argue it, you know, the Pac-12, you know, we haven't done well versus those power, those power four other conferences, so it's just a matter of doing well, and we need to show up for these big games, so, you know, when we schedule them five, six years in advance, you know, we need to understand that we need to win these games because when it comes to these last four pick em playoff contenders i don't i we need a pac-12 team in there and we need to show up and i mean not everybody can be the sec but moving on to the sec we got a good one in georgia and south carolina those are two defensive coaches and kirby smart and will muschamp yeah, I like you said, you know, Kirby Smart, I think he's one of my favorite play or excuse me, coaches uh, in the SEC simply because once again, I I'm a big fan of player coaches, you know, and he's probably one of the most exciting people on that sideline even when he was at Bama. He's one of those coaches jumping up and down when that defense was getting those turnovers, you know, very very different than Saban, I could say, but I think it'll be an excellent game. How do you how do you see SC this year? Man, 
South Carolina, they're gonna, they're going to have a good good team. They got good playmakers. They got a quarterback in Jake Bentley and a, a wide receiver in Debo Samuel. Uh, two great players. Uh, Georgia has has not only has has great players. They got they have had the top three quarterback recruits in the past past few years. But from playmaker Fields looking good already. From in game one, 157 yards, two TDs. Fields, the f- true freshman, seven of eight with 63 yards. Seven of eight as a true freshman in your first game. That's that's a hell of a stat line. You know, they're going to come out pretty strong for this game, and uh, I think they're going to show up for South Carolina. Never ends. Never ends. Exactly. I think this will be an awesome game for the SEC. And, you know, we got to go with our strongest conference in the nation, Pac-12. We have USC and Stanford. Uh, so USC starting with that true freshman, Daniels, how you feel about him? I like him. I like him a lot. Seven hookups with his wide receiver, his high school buddy wide receiver. That freshman sensation, St. Brown, he's he's a true freshman. There'll be a, a threat to deal with in the future. On Stanford's side, I got one question for you. What's that? Where's the love? Man, don't don't even get me started. He he was a no show, you know. And I was definitely surprised, you know. He was probably our top, not just our top. I think an all around top uh, Heisman candidate with the experience he's had from last year. And you know, he was probably our number one uh, running back in the uh, the nation. You know, Bryce Love is, and uh, San Diego State showed up. Yeah. San Diego State looked good last week. I want Love to show up this week and look good. Most definitely, I think he needs a rebound game. You know, the games you expect them to win and have dominating games versus these smaller schools, they're not doing so well. So I think, you know, kudos to San Diego State for showing up and uh, bringing their A game versus uh, Bryce Love. And our final game of the week, we have Clemson versus Texas A&M. Let's start off with Clemson. I think they looked really well versus, granted, they did play for them. They ended up winning 48-7, but they ended up starting the game with Bryant, you know, who ended up playing last year, had a hell of a season. And there was actually a question mark at who would start at quarterback with uh, this Dabo Sweeney offense. Um, Amari Rogers played really well, um, and he's going to be a threat for them. Winfro's coming back, who was a very big surprise in the championship. Championship game. I can't argue it. I think Clemson. They might have the best D line in college football. What do you think? Clemson looked great. They got they got four guys that will eventually be playing in the pros uh, at deep at the D line position in its own right. Um, you know, but Texas A and M. Let's let's see what they do against tougher competition this week as well. They got 503 total yards rushing last week alone. Wow, um, that's a big number. Uh, their starter Williams. 240 yards himself. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a great matchup. Uh, best matchup of the weekend in my eyes. SEC, ACC, always fun when you get these out-of-conference matchups. Say Texas A&M is a second-tier team in the in the SEC versus a top-ranked team in the ACC. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to you know see who really comes out on top on this, especially you know the SEC is known to be that powerhouse, but Clemson is you know that top team in the ACC and one of the top teams in the nation. And I, I just hope it's competitive because it seems like the games we get excited about haven't been interesting. So I, I think this will be, like you said, a big test for both teams as they had kind of a breeze for that first game, but the, it'll be an eye-opener for both teams. And you know, it's a good coaching matchup as well. Jimbo has had 
had experience with Clemson when Jimbo was at Florida State, and uh, Dabo knows Jimbo because of that. Uh, now it's a new team for Jimbo. What can he do? Yeah, and I think I think it's a, it'll be a huge test for him because this is a this is a new team for him, and it's it's not Florida State where you're going to have these elite athletes just coming knocking at your door and and in your in your backyard, you know. So I think Texas A and M, granted, you know, just his name will help him, but also I think it'll be a challenge to get the right recruits and have him be successful at a new team. Like we always say, Eastern and myself. We want to hear what y'all think. Reach out to us at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com because we want to know your opinions. That way we can take our conversation live next week. That's what's going to make this fun for us. Most definitely. And like I said, and we said earlier, we're both passionate about college football. And we just want to bring this podcast to you guys to you know give our opinions on these teams. And we want to hear from you also. So like you said, reach out to us at collegefootball.com. Pod talk at gmail.com and we're out.